This is Democracy. A podcast about the people of the United States. A podcast about citizenship. About engaging with politics and the world around you. A podcast about educating yourself on today's important issues. And how to have a voice in what happens next. Welcome to our new and final episode of This Is Democracy for 2021. Uh, It's late December of 2021. We're getting ready for the holidays, and uh, we're getting ready for a new year of This Is Democracy starting in January. But this is an appropriate moment at the end of a very long, challenging year to reflect. Reflect on what we've learned on the podcast, reflect on what we've heard, and reflect on what we hope to see, uh, especially for the story of American democracy going forward. So today, instead of our normal routine with a guest or two, it is just Zachary and me. Yes. Uh, We have the chance to think about all the different episodes of this year and what we've learned, Zachary. Are you excited? Yes, I am. We covered quite a lot, didn't we? We did. We did. And of course, uh, even when we're doing a review episode, we have a startling insightful, exciting poem for Mr. Zachary Siri. Zachary, I'm going to let you go ahead and read your poem. This year, I would like to learn to love my country. This year, I would like to learn to love my country. Maybe it is too much to ask of my distinctly not divine inspiration to be lovable, endearing. I will not say her name. I have too often been forced to stare at it or put my hand to my heart when she is present, a crude sort of intimacy in which I'd rather not participate. Yes, I have known her Chicago's, her Santa Fe's, her Oregon's. Yes, I have known something of her place. And certainly she knows what obscenities she has whispered to me. She knows what epics have been birthed from her bowels only to find themselves ridiculously reincarnated in my heart as her own elegy. But have I known her people? This year I would like to learn to love my country and all of its absurdities, her church-going non-believers, her prayers posted in post-mortem portmanteaus on the side of the road. I am religious also, in the sense that I have seen God weep, they call it rain, I think, and he has certainly given me something, the feeling of rolling the windows down around dusk and driving slowly around the store-bought neighborhoods with music playing off the radio out into the crisp conformity. This year I would like to learn to love my country in all of its violence and truthfully told terribleness. I would like to meet a president or a racist or an ignorant. I am political also in the sense that I would like you to remember the Shoah. I am political also in the sense that I would like the lakes between which I was born to still exist, pristine, sideways and across to the country club, when I am father to a child, or more likely a tabby cat named Delmore Schwartz. I am political also in the sense that I would like you to remember the Shoah. This year I would like to meet my country, to shake her hand and look into her eyes without flinching. This year I would like to meet you, to shake your hand and look into your eyes without flinching. Perhaps I love my country best when I am flying across its state lines like an angel who chooses southwest Dallas love to midway over divine transmogrification just because it is dirtier and harder to explain. I love your phrase, meet my country. What do you mean by that, Zach? I mean that I think this year has really been a moment of, of, of chaos for many Americans, that we've, we haven't really had a chance to come to terms uh, with what our country is, with the many contradictions that have been uh, brought to the fore this year. And I think 
part of my goal, and I think part of the goal of this podcast for the next year, is, is to really come to terms with that, not just to, to move forward, but to try and understand what just happened in our democracy and in our society. Right, to understand the, the contradictions and the difficulties, and in some ways, the, the scattering nature right. of all the, the, the disorientation. Events. Yeah. Yeah. We, we started, of course, the year with the uh, insurrection and attack upon our democracy by citizens of our own society trying to stop uh, the certification of duly elected votes and duly cast votes uh, and trying to stop uh, the rightfully elected president from becoming president. Uh, the violence on January 6th, I think, startled all of us. How do you think about that today, Zachary? Well, I think it's really a difficult issue because on the one hand, so many of us watched a coup essentially un unfold live. Uh, and I, I think that uh, it only the more information that we get on January 6th, the even more like a coup d'etat looks. Um, so I think it's really difficult. We have to come to terms with the fact that, that it, it isn't a given in our society anymore that, that people are willing to 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 lay down their um, their political weapons at the end of the day and their literal weapons uh, when the election is over and I think that means we have to be more vigilant in protecting our democracy but also we have to be aware that our system is fragile and that our system isn't perfect and it's not just individual actors who cause these but fatal flaws in the system possibly absolutely absolutely and it's uh it's striking because democracy is built around, and this is a theme we've talked about time and again on the podcast, it's built upon a willingness to follow rules and a willingness to lose and try again. In a democracy, the losers have to admit they've lost. Right. And it's a democracy because the losers don't go to jail. They get a chance to actually try again, right. but they have to step aside. Uh, you don't get to hold power forever. This is a point that George Washington illustrated at the very beginning of our, our republic. A at the same time that we've seen this um, horrifying uh, unmasking, I don't even know if it's new. I think it's just unmasked for us. It's been there for a long time. This unmasking of extremism, of authoritarianism, of racism, anti-Semitism among a part, a small part, but a significant part of our, part of our population. We've also seen and talked about this on our podcast, amazing courage, activism, a renaissance of uh, progressive activities, uh, more young people voting and becoming politically engaged uh, than ever before, um, more evidence of concern and activism around climate change, the rise of uh, new political movements within our own society in countries like Germany and elsewhere. Germany, as we've discussed in a recent podcast episode, has a government now that includes the Green Party, as well as the FDP, as well as the SPD. So you have the Social Democratic Party, the Green Party, and the Free Democrats all in one government after 16 years of conservative rule. Um, how do you think, Zachary, about the other side of the story, the progressive center-left activism we've seen? I think on the one hand, it shows that um, there really is a, a a large portion of, of the population who 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 does embrace competence and understanding and and to some degree compassion. Uh, and I think also as as an American, it teaches us that we need to look abroad for inspiration, not just at home, and that many of the many of the biggest innovations 
uh, and 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 important ideas that we need to incorporate into our society aren't just going to come from at home. And I think, in particular, the German elections have taught me uh, that we need to we need to look to other societies' systems. In the case of Germany, one that we really set up after World War II, uh, and we need to think about how we can incorporate some of those elements into our society. And we need to, particularly in the light of January sixth. Think about how we can conduct our elections better, and how we can we can run our, our our politics better. Right, right, and create a system that's actually more adaptable to the challenges we face today. One of the things that's become evident throughout our podcast discussions all year uh, is how the parts of the American system that worked well, or at least we think worked well in prior generations, don't work as well today. Our voting system, which has always had problems, of course, uh, the way we apportion representatives. Uh, the relationship between different levels of government, uh, but even more specifically, uh, the ways in which we handle healthcare as a society, the ways in which we handle housing, uh, all topics we've talked about uh, in great depth. None of our podcast episodes really advocated for revolutionary overthrow and restart. <laughs> Certainly not. But but for major reforms. Um, and, and COVID, I think, brought that really uh, directly to us and we're making we're, we're, recording this episode at a moment when COVID is resurgent again with a new strain. Um, COVID, I think, has made it clear to us all um, that our system has to be better about getting information, good information, factual information for people, and getting them the kinds of care they need. Uh, it's extraordinary, and to me, one of the great accomplishments of the last two years, how we uh, have developed these vaccines that provide extraordinary protection, not 100% protection but uh, radically reduce death rates and hospitalization rates produced by our innovative system, produced by the wealth that our system allocates to pharmaceutical companies, which is often a problem, but in this case, a source of innovation. Uh, I think we've learned a lot from this, but it's, it's a story of accomplishment, but it's also a story of deep frustration because although about 70% uh, of Americans have taken these vaccines, 30% have not. Uh, More people have died since since the vaccine has been widely available than before. Right. And that's a really hard thing to grapple with. Certainly. Uh, and we as a democracy have to do a better job of not just distributing the product. In fact, we've done a pretty good job of distributing the vaccine, at least within, but of uh, educating people and making sure they understand this. And then, of course, there are the international dimensions, right? Uh, the United States has benefited from far more access to vaccines than many, many uh, other other societies. Um, I, I think this brings us to another topic that I think we should spend a few minutes reflecting on, which is why our society today is so obsessed and having so many arguments about its history. As a historian, of course, I think it's important and great that people care about history. But our discussions about history have been often um, quite belligerent the last year. Uh, debates over critical race theory, which almost no one can define. Uh, calls even for banning books in our own state in Texas uh, and elsewhere. As, as someone, Zachary, who's in a high school history course, uh, that's kind of ground zero for these debates. What, how do you see the last year uh, around this issue? 
I think it's really difficult. I, I think part of the problem, and I'll go back to an, to an episode I think we did last year uh, with Susan Nyman on, uh, on lessons from German history after World War II for the American South. Uh, I think part of the problem is that we never really had a reckoning with our own history. Uh, that, And I think to some extent, George Floyd represented that sort of collective collective recognition of of the the trauma uh, the violence that still exists at the core of our society but i also think in another way we haven't we still haven't fully come to terms with that and we we haven't embraced the same uh vergangenheits aufarbeitung or working off the past uh that germany did uh, after world war 2 many decades after world war 2 and i i think i think we haven't reached that point where we can finally have an honest conversation yet and it's it's made every aspect of our schools and our um our politics a battle hmm. and and how should we move forward then um some people want to silence certain topics they don't want to talk about slavery they don't want to talk about racism um the real criticism of critical race theory is the criticism of the argument that the united states is a racist and has been a racist society that's what people are angry about they don't want their kids exposed to that argument how do we convince people that that's a necessary argument to hear and that it's not an argument that just says the united states is bad uh, one could say the United States has done extraordinary things. Our podcast has highlighted some of those, but it also has th- th- these deep sins, these deep scars um, that Susan Nyman and others talk about. Yeah, well, I, I think if anything, COVID has has sort of have kicked the entire concept of American exceptionalism in the butt, if if only temporarily. I think that we've we have this we have this under this idea that 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 we are that that I think the majority of Americans recognize at least to some extent the flaws in our history and in our country but we have this we have this very endearing but also dangerous optimism that we can always work through them and that we're always improving but it takes so much work and it's not always the case and so i think part of the problem is that people aren't people aren't willing to acknowledge that and it, it does take it it is very hard to recognize and uh, I just hope that that COVID, this moment of extreme leveling in many ways, uh, but also exacerbated inequality, uh, can can help us to to see those flaws that still exist within our society, but also in the way that we interact with the world. Right, right. I, I think one of the lessons we've learned um, this year is that we have to work harder to talk about the flaws in our society, but to make people recognize the value of talking about those flaws, right? Um, We're not just talking about the flaws in our society to flog ourselves. A democracy is not about self-flagellation. But we are talking about these issues because a democracy must be committed to its continual self-improvement. And um, to highlight the continuing legacies of slavery in the criminal justice system, a topic that came up multiple times this year, to highlight the legacies of Jim Crow in our voting system, uh, to highlight the legacies of lynching in the violence of our society today, and to highlight the legacies of white supremacy in the ways in which power and inequality play out in our society. Uh, All of those were themes throughout the year, and they're themes that require meditation and discussion 
it seems to me, not simply because we want to score points, uh, but because we want to recognize that there's much to the American promise that remains to be fulfilled and that there are possibilities. Maybe I'm sounding too optimistic again, Zachary, but there are possibilities there. Uh, and, and to me, our podcast brought that out because almost everyone we had on believed we could do better, not that we were done, that the story of our democracy had, in Franklin Roosevelt's terms, more chapters to be written. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think as always that you might be a little too optimistic, but um, I, I I'll go back to the example of Germany again uh, for the last time, I promise. Uh, but I remember reading about um, in this in the late '60s and early '70s, there were these conversations that were going on in in universities in in schools where you would have young people who would who would question their their parents who would who would scream at them who would ask them how could you have done this and and i think part of the point is we've never really had that moment we need to we need to be able to say look at these horrible things we've done so that we can go back and and an hour later have a serious discussion about how we're all responsible for this but also how we can all create something new and create something better and i think part of the problem is that and, and, and it's very difficult. I'm not saying it's easy. Part of the problem is that we have not had that moment when we're all at, at each other's throats, and maybe that's what we're experiencing right now. Well, we certainly feel like we're at each other's throats. I, I guess what it is is that we're just on two sides of a fence. Right, right. Not really at each other's uh, throats. How does one um, continue the kinds of conversations we've had on the podcast, which we hope to continue in the next year? where we're talking productively about how to learn from the past to improve the present and future without falling into identity politics, where, and you've experienced this yourself, I know, uh, in some contexts where people don't want to listen to you because you're associated with something that they think, you know, represents a horror from the past. So why should we listen to um, this group when this group did this to us in the past? Or their other element of identity politics where one trumpets the um, misdeeds of the past to justify non-accountability today? How, how do we avoid falling into that? I, I think it's, it's really difficult. I think part of it is we have to be willing to have conversations about these issues like we have on this podcast. And we have to be willing to acknowledge other people's humanity while having those conversations. Um, I, I think it's important to recognize the personal experience the personal responsibility we all have in these conversations, but we also have to be to some extent capable of separating that from the person. We have to be able to separate our political discussions from the people. And I think COVID and the sort of separation uh, of, of people literally, physically, has made that even harder. And I think as we hopefully in the next year, begin to move away from isolation, from lockdown. We're able to to have more of those conversations. Um, I think it's very hard to deny someone's humanity, the truth of someone's experience, if you're actually looking them in the eyes. Yeah, I used to believe that. Uh, I've seen too many examples of that, though. I think I think what works on our podcast is we have rules of the game that say you can't do that. <laughs> But in too many settings, school board meetings, political meetings, people do seem to want to deny. Uh, the people yelling at journalists at rallies yeah. as enemies of the people when these are my former students just trying to do their job of covering the news as they see it. On the other side, 
people uh, yelling at those who look a certain way and not wanting to understand that their neighborhood that, that that they have to have neighborhoods to live in as well, and that they're just helping one group in one neighborhood doesn't re- mean you can deny the existence of another group in that neighborhood, right? So, right, yeah. how I do think, we move forward on that? I think it's really hard. Um, honestly, I think I think part of it is that. Um, I think that part of it is there's this sort of lack of a willingness to sort of confront, but also accept some of the complexities in our society. Um, how how is it possible that our society can be both uh, very racist and violent, but also welcoming to thousands of refugees throughout our history and 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 a haven uh, for people, a land of opportunity? And I think those can coexist and we have to be willing to accept those as coexistent. It doesn't mean we, we, we say that it's acceptable to be racist or ignorant, but it does mean that, that we have to be willing to, to fight for the hopeful aspects of our history, the hopeful, um, the hopeful future that we can build from that um, and, and reject uh, those racist elements while still acknowledging that they're there. And I think it's possible to do both, and we have to we have to be willing to know that we're not going to be perfect, and that there are things that come before political victory or winning the battle at the end of the day. I, I think you've hit on something that's so important that that isn't talked about enough that we have fallen into in our podcast. I don't think we intended this when we started a few years ago. Uh, I think what you're describing is grace. Uh, right. It's the willingness to accept that all people are flawed, including ourselves, um, and the willingness to try to work with people to understand where they're coming from and work through their flaws. And And it is sort of what our podcast does. We bring people on and we never try to embarrass anyone. We never try to have gotcha moments. We're not bringing people on to have debates. Gosh, uh, you know, even though I'm a former debater myself, there are plenty of debates in our world. We don't need more debates. We don't need more people yelling at each other. We actually try to hear people out. We try to elucidate their point of view uh, and share it uh, in a way that is accessible and useful and historically relevant to the past, the present, and the future. And um I think there is a kind of grace in that that we've aimed for and something we need more of in our society. Uh, last, um, Zachary, uh, our, our podcast is aimed at everyone, and we hope everyone listens, but particularly it's aimed at bringing forth a younger generation of people who care about democracy. Have we done that well this year? I don't know. Um, I think as a podcast, we've done a, a pretty good job at the very least of addressing the topics that matter to young people uh, and at hopefully uh, learning uh, as uh, Zachary and Jeremy, but also as as a community of listeners um, about many of these topics. Uh, but I think as a society, we're not reaching out to young people enough. Um, I think the fact that many young people are participating in the civil discourse, the political discourse of our society, and yet unable to run for office, unable to vote. I think that th- at this moment, it's such a travesty because when we have things like like dramatic uh, natural disasters as a result of climate change, when we have uh, huge public health threats in our society, what we need most is a new perspective. And yet so many of our institutions are 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 are, are shutting that down. 
Yeah. We do seem stuck sometimes. And uh, one of the ways to get unstuck is to get new voices in. Right. And uh, you showcased this, Zachary, and I appreciate it so much. And so many of the other people we've had on the podcast, so many who are people who have written to us about the podcast, who have listened to it, uh, showcase a young, eager, energetic, less ideological, more pragmatic generation. And uh, we've talked about this a bit on the podcast, but we can do better to bring those voices out, to connect better with those voices, to empower those voices. Democracy is always made by the next generation. Uh, change comes through generation. It's very hard to convince someone to change their behavior or their ideas. It's a new generation that views things differently. Think of any issue we've talked about on the podcast, the changes come with generations. So we close 2021, meeting our country again, as Zachary put it in his poem. And we close 2021 uh, after a challenging year, having learned a lot, we're blessed in our challenges because they force us to think and reflect. Uh, blessed to be able to listen to uh, more than 45 different guests this year who brought so many different perspectives. We thank you all. And we thank our listeners for for being a part of this. Uh, Zachary, I usually sign out. I'm going to let you sign out now. So I'm going to give you the last word and you can sign out and say something about what we're going to do in 2022. Well, I, I think 2022 is anybody's game at this moment. Uh, <laughs> you know, it could be a great year uh, for it. It'll definitely be a great year for our podcast. Uh, we'll certainly have 50 more guests. Uh, we will uh, be coming to you uh, every week as usual. Um, and I think that we all need to uh, go into 2022 with an understanding of all the horrible and frankly, deeply concerning things that happened this year. But also, we need to take a moment to reflect on the many wonderful things that happened this year. And speaking of acknowledging that sort of complexity, the fact that both can exist at the same time, I think we need to go into 2022 hopeful, uh, but also vigilant. Uh, so thank you uh, for listening to this episode of This Is Democracy, and go out there and make some change. Thank you. See you and hear you and talk to you soon. This podcast is produced by the Liberal Arts ITS Development Studio and the College of Liberal Arts at the University of Texas at Austin. The music in this episode was written and recorded by Harris Codini. Stay tuned for a new episode every week. You can find This is Democracy on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. See you next time.